guys. Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. You know, there's a lot of different stories going on in MMA right now. And I'm going to dive into as many of them as I can on today's show. Look, we're going to get into Patty Pimblett. We're going to get into his next opponent. I want to talk about Hicks and Gracie. He's made an interesting statement, and I happen to agree with it. And Davidson Figueredo appears to be upset. All of that's going to come up later. But first, I want to begin with Conor McGregor. So everybody's real chirpy on McGregor right now, and I've got no problem with that. Red Panty Night is a very real thing. Let's not forget the timeline here, guys. I mean, let's let's not be real honest with ourselves as it pertains to us finding our balls for calling out Conor McGregor. And let's be real honest. And some of you boys can probably beat him. And he can probably beat you back. But let's be real fair. When Conor was a 145-pounder, Conor called out everybody and was never once challenged. The champion of the division attempted to avoid him not to fight him. That's the reality. When Connor left the division, he was instantly booked with the absolute best guy, who was Eddie Alvarez. So there was no time for Eddie to call him out. Eddie already had him. But nobody else called him out. Nobody else said, well, if you beat Eddie, I'd like that next shot. And by the way, if you lose to Eddie... I still got a problem with you and your mouth, and I'm going to come deal with you. That never happened. When Connor went over and kicked Floyd Mayweather's ass, even Manny Pacquiao, who was rumored to want the McGregor business, never publicly called him out. They were all real, real respectful. All of a sudden, Connor gets stretchered out of a ring is unlicensed, is at a weight class that's yet to be determined, with a return date that is unknown, and a whole bunch of guys found their balls. Now, I don't blame you for trying to get in the Connor business, and quite frankly, a few of you were some pretty rough guys. Where was, where was your courage when he was licensed? Where was your courage when he was healthy? Where was your courage when he was for sure within your weight class? Where was it then? If your name's Nate Diaz, I'm not talking to you. If your name's Tony Ferguson, I'm not talking to you. If your name is Khabib Nurmagomedov, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. There, there was a couple of you that did your part or were willing to do your part. That's true. But now all of a sudden, I, I got 12 guys I could point to that have gone to Twitter and found their balls. Where were they before his leg was snapped? It's a fair question by me. It's an accurate depiction of the timeline by me. George Mosvidal. George Mosvidal's calling out McGregor. If we don't make that fight, I, I don't know what I don't understand about this business, but there's something I don't get. And it's probably something I'll never know. Like it probably specifically has to do with contracts. George's contract is so goddamn, and Connor's contract is so goddamn much that no matter how massive that fight, I mean, it's probably something like that. Why are we not making that fight? Mosvidal has called him out. Mosvidal wants to fight him. 
you have any idea of the business that you would do with that fight? That is the, the biggest star in the history of our sport. Not just the biggest star in the sport. It's the biggest star in the history of our sport versus the current second biggest draw in our sport. The entire reason that Conor McGregor bumped up and flirted with 170 pounds is because an off-the-cuff comment that Dana White made as he was walking into a restaurant in Beverly Hills and somebody jumped out in front of him with a camera who happened to work for TMZ. And the person said, would you ever book McGregor versus Masvidal? Now, that person wasn't helping with promotion in all fairness. That person did not know our sport. They recognized Dana and they threw out two names that they could think of. And the reason that Dana did this, instead of putting the guy's pants on and telling for at the time, at the time that this was that, that was the dumbest thing you could have possibly asked. You, you might as well have asked, are you going to book Hulk Hogan versus Brock Lesnar? You, you got two names and you got two big guys and you said their name together to the... It, Meg, McGregor versus Masvidal, at the time Dana was asked, made no sense. McGregor was barely a 55-pounder. He was just the 45-pound champion. A cup of coffee before that, he just did boxing at 153 and a half pounds. Dana answered the question right. He answered it very honestly for that time. And he said, no, I wouldn't make that. Masvidal's way too big for him. That was Dana being polite to a guy that was trying to do his job. What Dana would have loved to have said is, you dumb son of a bitch, I took my time to talk to you because I thought you knew about my industry. You have now just disclosed that you don't watch the UFC. That's what that moment was, just so you understand. That was not, that, that, that guy is going to get all sorts of credit. If that fight gets booked, they're going to replay this, and that dude's going to get a pat on the back, and he's going to get credited with helping to do this. I'm sure, and he should, but not at that time. He threw out the only two names that he knew. He's very loosely watching boxing. Hey, you ever think we're going to get Sugar Ray Leonard in there with Mayweather? I mean, he just, he just took a shot in the dark. And Dana very politely let him know they're not in the same division. They will never cross paths. You're light years off. And he chose to do that like a gentleman and say, Masvidal's too big. Now, it's extremely relevant. I knew the second I heard that, that is not going to sit well when it gets to Ireland. And it didn't. And Connor puffed up instantly. He was pissed. I only share that with you. How long ago was that, guys? Five years? I'm making it up. Am I close? Four years? Five years? Five and a half? fight needs to happen. George Masvidal was not George Masvidal back then. He didn't have the Versace robe. He didn't have the BMF. He didn't have the rock in the ring with him. He didn't have the 45 putting him on the campaign trail. He was, he was just a guy. It was really tough. He didn't have the long hair. It wasn't George Masvidal yet. And Conor McGregor was still pissed and wanted to pee. That fight's got to happen. The numbers on that would be incredible. I mean, could you imagine if we took that fight and we put it in Miami? Now you could play that game all day. Like, don't just go, oh, chill, pat on the back. Great. No, you could put that fight in Vegas. You, you, you could put that at the junior high that I went to. You could take it to double. You could do anything that you wanted with that fight. How is that not the fight? And for the rest of you, in all fairness, even, even if one of you gets the opportunity, Oliveira is speaking up. Be very, very honest about it. Very, very honest. This is a former champion. This is an absolute legend. I can make a bunch of money. Give me the opportunity. I got no problem with it.
but a lot of you I do. A lot of you I look at differently. I don't look at you as a clever guy that found something funny to say, put it out on Twitter, and got a few hearts next to it. I don't. I look at you as a guy who, when you had the chance, when you were with him, when you were on stage, when he was healthy, when he was licensed, you showed up with your hat in your hand, talk about, hey, Mr. McGregor, can I have a selfie, please? We got to have a code, guys. We have to have a code in the tough guy business. You call out a guy who you know you can never get on the docket with just to get attention to him. And by the way, you waited until he was injured, waited until he returned home, made sure that he has no license anywhere within the Associated Boxing Committee. I mean, come on, man. You're not a tough guy to me. That's not, that's not a tough guy move. That's a scumbag move. So another story that's come out in the last few days is about the flyweights, and in particular, the champion himself, Davidson Figueredo. So Figueredo's pissed off. Now, I want to come in and I want to scold him. I want to scold Figueredo. You guys know what I'm talking about. They're going to do an interim title. They're going to bring in Moreno. They're going to bring in Kaikar France. They're going to do an interim title. Figueredo is the champion. Are you guys aware of that? I mean, I know that belt kind of jumped around a little bit. Then when Moreno grabbed it, it was the first ever Mexican champion. It was just absolutely huge. And sometimes you got to remind people. These guys have fought each other so damn many times, but Figueredo is actually the current champion. So his feelings are hurt. He even said, I, I can't believe the UFC is doing this. I didn't think they would do this to me. And he told his side, which is very simple. He's not prevaricating from the story. He hurt his finger. He was supposed to go do a fight. I think it was even uh, Moreno again. Hurt his finger and had to push it off. I, and I don't know what that means. If he's got to go get a surgery or something, right? Fighters tough guy. They wrap their fingers. There must be a little bit more to it, but it's a finger and he can't get in the ring for a period of time. They're going to go do this interim title. It hurt his feelings. Now, I told you that I would like to scold him. He's earned the right. I have. I don't have, I don't have the right to, to scold him, but I do have a very different opinion. And could I share that? Because this isn't the first time this has happened. This is not the first time where a champion is going, hey, wait just a minute. I'm not a closet champion. I'm not in a negotiation dispute. And I don't give a goddamn who the opponent is. I just need a little time. I don't need a lot. You want me to fight in three months? I need to fight in five months. We're real close here. And there is a couple of times where a very similar scenario has laid out. And guys have really gotten their feelings hurt. They really thought they were slighted. And I'm not in their position but I am a fan, and I will tell you, they're not being insulted. That, that is not the interpretation by any fan. And please please leave comments and make sure you let me know that I'm right or that I'm not. We all understand that Figueredo is the champion of the world. We all understand the interim championship is not Figueredo's championship. Figueredo is the undisputed champion. That's a... That's, the interim championship is being contested. You guys remember old pro wrestling days? This is not the World Heavyweight Championship. You then have an intercontinental championship. You have one down. But if you can get to the IC belt, it guarantees you you get a crack at the undisputed belt. That's what the interim championship represents, and it's awesome. I love it. It creates opportunity. It really does. 
There's no insult meant to Figueredo here. They don't take the belt off him. The rankings don't change. His contact doesn't change. What his next fight will be about and the placement, nothing changes for him. We all look at him and view him 100% for what he is, which is the champion of the world. But if we can set that aside just for a moment, because we're not attempting to be rude, but please understand an opportunity just opened up for Kai Car France, who deserves it and would not have got it. I mean, just in this one instance, this isn't about Kai Car, by the way, but it's not about Moreno, it's not about Figueredo. Everything is as it should be. They're going to hold a fight, a top billing fight at 125 pounds on a specific date. That's what the organization is going to do. They don't need to ask anybody's permission. They have a strategy and a plan, and that's where that one gets inserted. They went to the champion. They invited him. He couldn't make the date. No problem. We, we still have to do what we have to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to feature this weight class. We're even going to make it for a belt. Now, the reality is it's the interim belt, which just makes it crystal clear who becomes the number one contender and absolutely nothing more. And you still get a fight when you want and for what you want. You're not being stripped. I, I think that's the point I'm trying to make. And there, there is a, a meaningful distinction and difference. And when Figueredo said, and I don't even know if I'd be talking to you guys if he hadn't used this line. It was, it was one line that he used, and that's where I knew his feelings were hurt. When he said, I did not think the UFC would do this to me. That's what, oh, whoa, wait a second. You think the UFC did something to you? No, 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 no. You didn't want to fight till late. You're getting what you want. The UFC's get everything that you said you wanted on that call. You, you get all of it. Different topic. We've got this date carved out. We've got a strategy within our organization. It's time to feature this weight class. And we have another mechanism to do it called an interim championship, which just provides opportunity. I think I would just like to explain that distinction. I don't like that Figueredo felt like he was slighted. I don't like that. And he, he is right that if he's got a hurt finger or he's got an injury or he called and disclosed it and he just needs X amount of time and he's already talked with the trainers and the doctors and he's perfectly organized. Sure, that's it. But they agreed with him. They agreed. We're going to do what you said. You said you could fight in, I'm making it. He said you could fight in December. We said, okay, you're going to fight in December. Got everything that you wanted. New topic. And I wish that the intro belt would be looked at like that. It provides a massive opportunity. It's awesome for marketing. It's very fun for me as a fan. And I know I keep going back to the same pro wrestling example and it drives some of you crazy, but the hottest night that I've ever seen was Warrior versus Hogan. And it was only for one reason. It was the first time Vince ever put on a main event where both guys walked to the ring as champion. Vince had never put the IC champ against the heavyweight champ. It was the first poster ever. Both guys are wearing a belt and it's powerful. Carwin, Lesnar, both were champions. I mean, th these moments are special. But there's things that you have to do to create them. And there's a belt that you've got to contest. And there's deserving athletes. And there's five rounds. And there's a whole market. There's a lot that goes into it. But I don't want Moreno to think that he was slighted. Francis went through this a year ago. Francis was asked to fight on a Houston event and couldn't make the date. Okay. You want to fight later? We're going to let you. Everything that you asked for, you got it, buddy. But on a different topic, we've, we've got this Houston date. And we've got a guy named Derek Lewis who's going to be in the main event. And now we're going to bring in 
surreal gone. You will take on the winner. Oh, and by the way, we're going to put an interim championship around him. So when you guys do fight, it's going to be a mega. They're different topics is all I'm trying to share. And the fighter certainly has the right. But to be stripped, please understand what that means. And please understand what an interim championship is. We are having very, very different conversations. And I don't want Moreno's feelings to, uh, or Figueredo's feelings to be hurt. And I don't want the next guy that they do an interim champ, create some opportunity, turns into a huge marketing push, which he gets the re reward for at a later date of which he chose. I don't want him to have his feelings hurt either. I think that there's a misunderstanding here. Being stripped and being in a division as champion that's going to have an interim belt are two different conversations. Coming up next, I'm going to move from the flyweights all the way up to the heavyweights. And I'm going to ask you guys, where the heck is Francis Ngannou? But before that, a quick word about today's sponsor. The folks at BioOptimizers have done it again. They have just released their new improved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. Guys, do you suffer from poor sleep? Do you ever have low energy? How about high stress? Magnesium deficiency might be the root of your issues. This new fourth generation formula of Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective at reducing stress, improving sleep, and boosting energy levels. If you've already taken Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll want to try the new formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like B6 and manganese that help with the absorption of magnesium. And if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, now is the perfect time and here's why. First, magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions. And second, about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium. In every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you're going to get seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium, which can dramatically improve your health. It can help with your sleep. It can make it longer. It can make your sleep deeper. It will reduce stress levels and help you feel calm. And it's going to give you an abundant all-day energy. I can tell you from firsthand experience, it's a great way to go through life. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you to finally feel like yourself again. Simply take two capsules before bed and you will be amazed at the improvements in your mood and energy levels and at how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners only, magbreakthrough.com slash chael. Use the promo code chael during checkout. That's going to save you 10% and get you free shipping. Oh, and one last thing. If you want your loved ones to be healthier, consider giving them the gift of Magnesium Breakthrough for Father's Day or even as a spring birthday. Again, the special link is magbreakthrough.com slash chael and use the code chael during checkout. That's going to save you 10% and get you free shipping. What does the win over the UFC look like for Francis Ngannou. How are we defining that? How would he define that? It's an interesting topic. We're going to get into that topic. We're going to attempt to break that down in just a moment. 
Before we do, what's more interesting is, and I had not realized, this is the first time I've said the name Francis Ngannou in 24 days. I didn't know that about myself. I would never avoid Francis Ngannou. It's a good topic. It's a hot topic. I would never avoid and never have for 24 days the sitting reigning king of the UFC in the heavyweight division. That's never happened. Come on, I haven't talked about Francis for 24 days. How come I haven't? As a matter of fact, when I realized that I haven't, I realized I haven't hurt anybody. 24 days has gone by since I have seen a headline or I have seen a photograph, and that includes social media on Twitter. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sharing with you. I, I didn't come across it. been 24 days since we've discussed Francis Ngannou. There, there's no star in the world, right? Everybody's got a number. No matter how hot you are, you could be a singer, you could be an actor, you could be any level of entertainment that's in front of the world. There's only so many days that can go by before you know. Right? It's one of those things. You've got to step in front. You've got to make sure there's a, not a day that goes by. You've got to uh, learn something from Conor McGregor, who has not fought and doesn't even know when the returns fight's going to be, and finds a way to stay in front of you. I bring that up because, what is that? Now, 24 is a long time. The fact that it was a hot topic of Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. And any weird way you wanted to go with them, they were making up the rule. They were doing interviews on making up the rule. They're going to go do a sport that doesn't yet exist. But that was still a topic. I, I, I think that that's silly, but it, it doesn't mean that I didn't talk about it. It doesn't mean that other people didn't talk about it. 24 days have gone by. Is that the fight that you guys want to see? Because 24 days ago, you did. When they jumped in the ring and Tyson was saying his goodbye and all those people are there and Francis was there, boy, that was really something you really did want to see. But you guys haven't talked about it either. When I say it's been 24 days, you're guilty too. It's not just me. It's not just the other pundits and the other people that can get a camera or some level of dialogue going with the community. You guys haven't brought it to me. You guys haven't mentioned his name. I read the comment sections. I read every single one of them. You have not, none of you have typed in the word Francis. How come? What happened? And if it's a matter of, well, great, Chael, you just did it. And yes, that is absolutely the fight that I want to see. Okay, I'll listen to you. What if another 24 days go by? And what if that turn, right, 24 turns into 48? What if that turns into 96? What if, nobody knows what double 96 is. But whatever that number, how much time can go by before you're not discussing that match? Because these do have an expiration date. George St. Pierre versus Anderson Silva was the number one topic in MMA at some point, if I put that fight together right now, right, it's one of those things. And maybe that's not the example. Maybe that one is still hot. But I think that you get my point. Like, everything cools off. Tyson versus Evander was the, the hottest topic in all of boxing at one point. If I just put Tyson and Evander in there tonight, I mean, you see where things change, right? I mean, I'm making a very obvious point. I'm just asking moreover a question. How many more sets of 24 can go by? Because if you look at the clock that apparently has to run out until December. At this pace, it makes it very hard. Particularly if you took the situation that I'm talking about and you just put it against Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor has five, six sellouts right now. Get, push, just push the green button and tell the audience to go. They will get the tickets, they will book the flights, and they will fill up an arena five, six different directions right now. 
And Francis is still going in the direction of uh, of Tyson, and Tyson is still thinking, I'm going to do the Francis thing, and we're going to make up this event, and then we're going to go and do it. Can they rehash that in December when we, the audience, have been told that that contract even comes up and it becomes eligible? Can they do that? Maybe. I'm asking the question. I don't know the answer, but neither do you. We don't have a crystal ball. Sharon, for you, it sure as hell would be a lot harder, and it is at anything when you got to start at zero as opposed to you wake up on third. It's it's different. Why? What is going on? It looks as though whatever Francis is going to do is narrowed down to one of two things. Can we agree on that? He's either going to be in a ring with Tyson Fury next, or he's going to be in an octagon for a heavyweight championship next. It's been 24 days. Nobody said those words. Nobody said either one of those words. Nothing has been done to stir interest in either direction. All right. That's simply an observation. Simply an observation. What would a win look like? Francis has made it very clear to us. He's got to have the ability to go and box, and more specifically, Tyson Fury. It's important that you understand that that's all that Francis has said. He has not said, I'm leaving MMA at all. Hasn't even said that he wants to. He's alluded to quite the opposite. I enjoy it here. I feel free to find my next opponent. Set this knee injury aside. I am wanting to defend. I am willing to defend. I also want to do this. So what would a win look like? Is it, is it just a contract? we got to get the word in, the verbiage of a contract worked out. Is it as simple as that? We've got to have a clause in there. I'm asking the question. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. What, what, what is trying to be achieved? Are we running the clock out? I mean, are we for sure not going back to MMA? I haven't seen any evidence of that. I've never heard him say anything like that. So you think that the next heavyweight title fight should be for the undisputed title and you should take my belt back because I'm not coming back to defend? I don't see anything like that. Is it as I gotta have Tyson Fury? I gotta have the ability to have Tyson Fury. I don't even know what Tyson will say. I don't know what promoter's gonna do it. I don't know when this is gonna be, but but if. But if that opportunity comes, I've got to be able to take it. Does it have to be next? Does it, does it have to be my next match needs to be in boxing and more of whatever sport they're gonna make up with Tyson Fury? Or does it need to be the ability? Hey, I'm gonna give you two. Two matches. I like to do three a year. I'm going to give you two matches. I'm going to book Tyson on the back end of that. And win or lose, I then want to return to the octagon. I'm asking a question. I don't know. I'm not clear on it. I'm not clear on it. This used to be a hot topic, and we used to go back and forth. Now 24 days has gone by, and this thing has gone completely quiet and cold. Which is not a great position for anybody. Not a great position for anybody to negotiate or, or, or attempt to get their way. At some point, if you don't care and the fans don't care, it's, it's very tough to get number three, which is a promoter, to be interested. So, look, 24 days have gone by. I'm doing my part. I'm throwing it out there. I'm bringing it back up. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I don't know what you're going to do with that. But we've reset the clock. 24 days from now, let's say we're having this exact same conversation. So Francis Ngannou isn't doing any talking, but two guys who are, Jordan Levitt and Patty Pimblett. 
They are officially on the UFC London card. That's coming up in July. But guys, I'm just now, I'm just right this moment excited for it. All right, guys, so uh, excuse my glasses. I don't like you guys to see me in my glasses. I'm very self-conscious about them. But I need them to see it. I got to read it. Let me just walk you through my experience. I go to bloodyelbow.com right now. Right now. We were just on, what do you call it? We were on a break over here. I have a cup of coffee next to me. I'm taking my break. I go to bloodyelbow.com. A face pops up. I don't know the guy. It's always condescending when you say, I don't even know who this is. I don't mean to do that, but 556 guys under contract and I haven't seen them all. This guy's face pops up. He's the he's the headline. He's the headline at bloodyelbow.com. How do you get a headline? How do you get a headline in a sport of MMA when a guy in MMA doesn't know that you're in MMA? It's one of those things I was interested. All right, who do we got here? So I'm scrolling through, and this gentleman's name is very important. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it for you here. So his name is Jordan Levitt. Now Everything that I just said makes you think I've been very condescending and rude to Jordan Levitt. My intent is the opposite. This guy just made a fan. I want you to know who he is because I now know who he is and I'm a fan. So Jordan Levitt is apparently going to be fighting Patty Pimlet next. And Jordan Levitt says, I want to read this to you, okay? <laughs> I want to read this to you, and I hope it has the same effect on you as it did on me. Jordan speaking, honestly, I was a bit offended because this guy has been picking very easy fights, Levitt told the schmo. I'm like, I must have looked really bad in my last fight for him to have picked me. I'm flattered, but I'm a little bit offended. I'm also excited. I think I'm excited because the audience is going to get quite quiet when I finish him. They're probably going to riot when I twerk on him. <laughs> Does it matter what he says next? Do, do I have to finish this? Does it even matter? <laughs> he said he's going to twerk on him. Um, I haven't seen the twerk in a long time. I know what the twerk is, and it used to be a phenomenon that was going around the world, and it has something to do with a dance move where you're kind of shaking your booty and you lower it, and he said he's going to twerk on him. <laughs> is Levitt known for twerking? Like, we got that big guy. We got that big guy in the heavyweight division that dances, but everybody wants to see him dance. It's like one of the great parts of the evening when this dude dances and then never stops. And not only does he got the body and he's got the moves, but he's got the facial expression. He's like the most charismatic guy. That dude versus Tai Tiavasa would do insane numbers. Ins not to admit, that's actually a really good fight. That's actually a really good fight. But... Jordan, maybe he's known for twerking. That's what I don't know. Does he twerk after his fight? Is he a dancer, much like this heavyweight that I'm referencing? Or did he just out of nowhere proclaim that he's going to lay Patty out cold and then he's going to drop down and twerk on him? I, I don't know the backstory. I just like I'm into it. I didn't know Patty was booked to fight. I have never cared about Patty's one of, a, uh, of his opponents. That doesn't make me a jerk. They've never done their job, not one of them. A potential opponent in Gordon I was interested in. Gordon ended up not getting the fight. I mean, just it's one of these things. 
For the first time ever, I'm now interested in who Patty's opponent is. He says he's going to leave him unconscious, and then he's going to twerk on him. Like, if there's any reason to watch a fight in the history of being a fan of this industry, Jordan just gave it to you. All right, guys, to close out the show, let's talk about three legends of the sport, Hicks and Gracie, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and me. Hicks and Gracie is 400-0 in fights. Now, Hickson just came out. And the whole reason I bring this up, I just cut a Hickson interview. I'm a Hickson mark. Most of us are, whether we like to admit it or not. Most anyone that comes from my era is a Hickson mark. So, but he said, you know what? 415. Let's round it up to 415. And he said, it is probably double that. Now, that's insane. I mean, that is absolutely... Hickson fought 800 men. Oh, and by the way, he beat them all. Now, he's not making that claim. He's saying it's probably double that. The official claim was 400. He went ahead and ran it up to 415. Now, before you think that that's garbage. Hold on, hold on. This just in. What is it, Ryan? 400. 450. 450. All right, I, I heard Ryan. I said 415. Ran it up to 450. If anybody else came out and told you that, you are going to have a big problem with the story, correct? Okay. It's 450. That's it. We're done here. Get up and go home. Peace is over. Hicks and Gracie beat 450 men. That's it. Why? Why? Why does it get to be 450? Why, when Bruce Lee made claims, did we as a community push back? Why, if anybody in any sport claimed that they had 400 matches, only 11 of those are caught on video, but the other hundreds of them have, why would we not push back? Well, for that very reason. You want to know how many people who ever publicly had the courage or the disrespect, might be disrespect, but it also might be courage, to come out and tell Hicks and Gracie that he did not beat 400 men? You want to know how many people have done that? I follow the sport very close. You want to know how many people have done that publicly? All in. No one. You know how many people ever walked up to Hickson, and he's extremely accessible. He has lived a life of martial arts. As a coach, putting on seminars, as an ambassador, as a trainer, as a father of a mixed martial artist as the brother of the leading family, the founding family. You don't know how many people ever walked up to him and told him he didn't beat up 400 men they didn't believe his record? All in, all told? That's why it's 400. No, no, it's, it's now 450. That's the official number. Don't tell it any different. The number's 450. And I believe in that. I truly do not. Hickson actually qualified it which is extremely relevant. What is a match? What is a fight? What is a contest? That's a little bit of a subjective term. I do know at some point in the world of jujitsu, they started calling it a fight. All right, these two guys are going to fight and they're going to do it in the gi. And it was one of those words that kind of got applied that didn't carry over to Sambo or say the sport of wrestling, uh, collegiate freestyle or Greco-Roman. They never call it a fight. It, all, it, it always stayed a match. But okay. And he said that. He said seminars. He said open challenges. 
He said, what I was doing at the time I was doing, it wasn't called mixed martial arts. It was called Valley Tudo. And I, I will honor that because that's what it was at the time. He talked about, he, he talked about what he qualified and put in the category of a fight. He was very open about it. Now, under today's standard, you could use Hickson's terminology and do that every single practice that you go to. Every single practice is a fight. As a matter of fact, if you spar three rounds, you could actually break that down to you had three fights. I understand that. Why does Hickson get, get away with it? It's relevant. It's relevant that you understand why Hickson gets away with it. Because Hickson was the leader of the industry at the time that it happened. This was tested in the Supreme Court. This was tested by the Supreme Court. The only person in America who can declassify information is the President of the United States. If you reveal classified information, you go to jail for treason. The Supreme Court ruled the President could not speak and give away classified information on the premise that he was the only one who could declassify it. Therefore, the moment he says it, it is declassified. Thus, he could not break the law. It's interesting. Hickson made the rules. There was nobody higher in our sport. There was nobody's opinion higher in our sport. How well do you think you're going to do if you go to Big John McCarthy and you tell him that a rule that he has or a policy or a procedure administratively is wrong, you're going to get nowhere. Because he is the highest, it's one of those things. You, you, you can't go above Big John. He was the first. He made, the, they're his rules. So if Hickson was to classify a Sambo match, a grappling match, a seminar, a street fight, or Valley Tudo, if he was to classify that under a fight as the highest ranking member of our industry, he has that right. It's true. It's true. Mark Schultz was never given a black belt. Told you the story a million times. Never given a black belt. He went to an old department store. It was called Mervyn's at the time. They're such out of business. He went to Mervyn's and bought one. And then he entered competitions, checked the black belt box, put it on, and whipped anybody that came his way. Nobody walked up to Mark to this day and told him he was not a black belt which means he is. And it's the same thing with Hickson. It's 450, it grew 50 overnight. It was 400 when I woke up yesterday. It's now 450. That is official. Guys, do you think Khabib could whip my ass? Do you think that? Nobody's ever said it to me. I've never thought it. Khabib? A 55-pounder. A really good 55-pounder. Could Khabib whip my ass? Could he whip me in grappling? We're both retired fighters. Could he beat me in grappling? We could still do that. Okay. I have never wanted to feel a guy just to feel him.
And there are people like that. I've even ran into them, and I always thought it was weird. I thought, oh, you're a weird guy. I met a very nice guy. I had dinner with him. Came with a group of people. I was in Austin, Texas. Terry Jones took us out at uh, Salt Lake. Salt, many, many years ago. 2011. Awesome. Awesome barbecue if you're in Texas. And this guy came. He's a great guy. We had a great time all night. We're walking out to the car. And he really represented that he was a fight fan or that he even knew who I was. If that doesn't sound too arrogant, we get in the parking lot. Really good guy. He goes, hey, man, will you knock me out? It was just the two of us. He goes, hey, will you knock me out? Hey, I kind of laughed and we walked out. He said it again. He goes, no, 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 no. I, I, I would love to be able to tell my friends. He goes, I j- just knock me out. I can take it. I can take it. I used to do sports. I know, I know what I'm asking you for. Just, just right now, do it, do it. And we kind of laughed and we walked. What the, what the heck is happening here? And then he did it a third time and he was dead. Saying, no, 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 please, please, please. I got some buddies and they think it was a cool deal. And we watch your foot. Please just I can do it, bro. There's no one around. This isn't a trick. Just knock me out. Now, I have a lot of stories I could tell you like that, believe it or not, but I can't relate to them. I can't. I have memories, terrible memories of two guys in my life that I couldn't protect myself against. And you guys probably, if any of you have an older brother, then all of you have those memories and you have discovered them by the time you were eight years old, right? I mean, we, we all have that, but I do appreciate that. I do appreciate the workouts I had with Les Gutches. I do appreciate the workouts I had with George St. Pierre. Like there, there, there was something about feeling these guys and knowing what exists. I got to do a grappling workout with Buchecha. I got to do a grappling workout with Gary Tonin. And Gordon Ryan, at the same time, just the three of us. I really appreciate those moments. Well, I don't need a guy to come punch me in the face or, or not. I, I suppose there's levels to it. Now, where am I going? Why do I bring up Khabib? Well, the closest I ever got to being the weird guy in the parking lot saying, knock me out. The closest I ever got, nobody knows about. I've never told a single soul. But it was two months ago. It was at the P.I., I go upstairs and there's Chemayev in a ring waiting for Latifi. Latifi wasn't there yet. And I wanted to feel Chemayev so bad. And I almost told him that I was in my jeans. I almost told him, hey, hey, I'm not challenging you. One go. One five-minute go, you know, you you start on your knees or I'll start on my bed. You know, we'll figure it. Just, just grapple. I just want to feel. I just want to feel one time what all this hype is about. I did not say it. I'm glad I didn't. He would have lost respect for it. It would have been a weird thing to do. But I, I really almost did. It was the first time in my life I've ever done that. How do I bring this into Khabib? <clears throat> okay. I have heard the stories about Khabib as of you. But seeing them is very difficult. I have seen them against 55-pounders. I've heard about them all the way up to Daniel Cormier. Closest I got. Now, my coach, Fabiano Scherner, watched one of these workouts himself. He came back and told me. But the closest that I got, I was at the AKA. I was there to do a workout with Daniel Cormier. The workout ends. Khabib comes in. It was like a week before Khabib fought Connor. Am I right? Was it, was it the Connor fight? I'm quite sure it was. So it's all sorts of media. And he's got all the boys from Dagestan in, right? And they looked the part. They all look like Khabib. They got strong jaws and they're put together and about 12 of them, and they go into a room. And the way that I understand these workouts go is Khabib goes in the middle and they rotate. Like, that's what training camp is for Khabib. So I go into this room, and 
I want to watch this. First time I'm going to see it. I'm going to see Khabib with people that aren't 55 pounders. I don't know who's going to jump in there. He's got the boys from Dagestan that I've already seen, but Daniel's there. Rock Holt's a member of the gym. I mean, this is a who's who. Is Josh Thompson around? Is Sean Bunch? I mean, what end of the spectrum are we going? They got they got some hammers in there. Javier Mendez did not kick me out of the room, but I got the feeling he was just about to. He did look at me and he did look at the door. And uh, I said, hey, thank you very much for letting me come to your gym. And I, I acted like I was leaving on my own, but I wasn't. I, I felt like they were doing a private workout. So I didn't get to see it till today. A training video came out of Khabib on the ground with Rock Hall. Now, it's not fair to do these because you have no idea the context. That could have been fair and that could have been straight up. Luke's fresh, Khabib's fresh. Ten minutes later, somebody grabs 30 seconds. That could be, but it could also be that Luke, who's a training fighter, was exhausted and had done three or four rounds and Khabib came in. We just don't know. But either way, I saw Khabib in one of these situations that I've only heard about. I have never seen Khabib except for in competition against a 55-pounder. I could not do to Luke what Khabib did to Luke. I can tell you that. Luke Rockholt is a bear on the ground. He is an absolute bear that even got tested in a match that you guys don't know about. It took place on UFC Fight Pass in a promotion called Polaris. But Luke Rockholt got on an airplane, flew to London, and took on Nicky Rod and straight-up grappling. He held his own, Nicky got, but he did, Luke is good. He is really good on the ground. I could not hold Luke down the way that Khabib did. I could not reach by his arm. I could not trap his wrist. I could not get to side. There's things that I couldn't do. Can Khabib whip my ass? It's a 55 pound. It's too small, right? I could deal with Khabib. Right? All right, guys, I've had it with you all. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And thank you for continuing to leave reviews on the show like the one from Jay, who says, I always listen and I learn something new each time. Well, thank you, Jay. And thanks to the rest of you. We're going to meet back at the same time on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition, ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.